You're listening to Mrs. Miracle's Music Room Podcast, episode number six. Hi, everyone. This is Aileen. In today's podcast, I am going to talk about the song Apple Tree and all the different things that you can do with Apple Tree. It's one of the songs that I really love because there are so many things that you can do with it. And I actually got the idea to do a podcast episode like this from my friend David Rao. If you haven't checked out David's podcast, It is called Make Moments Matter. It's another music education podcast. I will link to it in the show notes. And he um, takes a he typically takes a folk song in each podcast and then talks about all the different things you can do with it. So I am going to do the same kind of format with the song Apple Tree. But like I said, definitely check out David's podcast at Make Moments Matter. So the song Apple Tree, it's one of those songs that um, spans three different grade levels for me in my classroom. So I use it in kindergarten, first and second grade. And it's a good thing that I love it because I hear it a lot in my classroom because it it really works well for several different concepts, which we will talk about today. Now, as far as the origin of Apple Tree, I I actually learned it in my level one Kodai class at Capital University from Julie Swank. And I've heard that it might be composed Um, potentially for teaching purposes. And as far as Kodai goes, we typically try to use a lot of folk songs. But this one is kind of up in the air. It may have been composed, like I said, potentially for teaching purposes. But um, there are a couple different variants of it, which I will uh, sing for you in just a minute. And um, it's just a game that the kids really love. So I don't mind that it potentially could have been composed because it just works really well. The kids love it. Like I said, it works for a lot of different concepts. So this song, I will, in the show notes, I'll have the notation for the two different versions that I've heard. The first one I'm going to sing for you is the one that I use in my classroom. And then the second one is one that I've just heard people use. So the first one goes like this. Apple tree, apple tree, will your apples fall on me? I won't cry and I won't shout if your apples knock me out. And here is the second version. The only difference here is instead of I won't cry and I won't shout, it is I won't cry, I won't shout. Apple tree, apple tree, will your apples fall on me? I won't cry, I won't shout if your apples knock me out. All right, so as far as the game goes, I will explain to you the way that I typically play the game, but I also explain another game I've heard with it. So the way that I play the game is I have students standing in a circle and they hold hands and they walk to the beat as they sing. And I have two students, and the first time um, we play, I usually am one person of the tree and I choose one student to be a tree with me. So I, let's say I choose Lucy to be a tree with me. So Lucy and I hold hands and then the circle walks underneath the tree. Kind of like if you think of London Bridge, it's very similar to London Bridge. So our arms are above part of the circle 
And as they're singing the song, they're walking to the beat underneath our tree. And then on the word out, we put our arms down and we catch a student. Now, sometimes a student is right there underneath the tree and sometimes nobody's there and it's like we're catching somebody's arm. So in that case, we didn't really catch anybody. So we would do it again until somebody's caught. Once a student is caught, let's say Jonah was caught, then Jonah and Lucy can then be a tree together. And then I pick somebody else to be a tree with me. So let's say Lucy and Jonah are a tree and then Jenny was also caught. So Jenny and I will be a tree. And now there are two trees. We and then we sing the song again, we catch somebody on out, and now potentially we have two more students who can then become a third tree, and it just kind of keeps going. Now, depending on how much time you have with your students, you could keep going until you just have one person left, and then that person wins. But um, a lot of times I'll say, I'll go until like maybe there are three kids left. I'll say, raise your hand if you weren't caught and you weren't a tree. And then those three kids raise their hand and then I'll say, okay, give them a round of applause. Those three are the winners. And that's a really fun game. The kids really love it. The first time I play it in kindergarten, there are just like these squeals of delight. They're so excited about the game. And then another game that I've heard is an apple passing game. So students would take like, you could have a fake apple or a real apple, I guess. And then you can just pass the apple to the beat as students are singing. And then whoever gets the apple on the word out is then out and maybe that child goes in the middle and then you play again again so that's a uh, variation so i will start with kindergarten and what i like to do with kindergartners with this game so like i said because for the game they have to put the steady beat in their feet it is a really fabulous game to teach or to prepare or to practice steady beat so that can just be like a physical practice of steady beat. You could also have students point to the beat. So if they're in the preparation phase of steady beat, you might have a sheet of paper or a poster of like four rows of four apples for a total of 16 apples. And the students point, you know, one student at a time comes up to the poster and they point to the beat as they sing. Once they learn steady beat, I then change to pictures of hearts. So then I would have four rows of four hearts for a total of 16 hearts, and the students point to the heart poster as they sing. And you could have individual sheets where everybody gets a sheet and they put it down in front of them and they point. And that can be used as a formative or summative assessment as well for beat tracking. You could have students play the beat on rhythm sticks or wood blocks or another type of non-pitch percussion as they sing the song. And you can have students play the beat on ORF instruments. So I've done this in two ways. I've had students play on D and A, so our, the comfortable starting pitch. I like to start this song on A. So you could have students play D and A to the beat, like a Bordeaux, steady beat Bordeaux, as they sing. And um, I used to work with an ORF trained teacher, and he liked to have students, especially in kindergarten, start with like low D and high D on the ORF instruments because it was like more comfortable for them to play. It just kind of more comfortably fell in the position that they were standing in front of the instrument. So you could do D and high D as well and just have them play the beat on the instruments as they sing the song. If you're working on this for rhythm, you could have students point to the rhythm of apple tree. So you could have like um, for the first pattern, you know, apple tree, apple tree. You could have two little apples, then a big apple, 
two little apples and a big apple and so on. So you could show the rhythm of the song and have them track the rhythm. Like, like we talked about before with the beat tracking sheet, you could have a rhythm poster or a rhythm tracking sheet. You can have students play the rhythm on egg shakers or rhythm sticks or another type of non-pitch percussion. And then to get a little bit trickier, you could have half of the class play the beat, maybe on orf instruments or rhythm sticks or whatever, while the other half play the rhythm on a different type of instrument. So you're you know, doing some great part work skills there. And then I've also worked with this with inner hearing where I have um, a dinosaur that I call Donnie the Dinosaur. He's really cute. Um, I will link to a blog post that I wrote for my collaborative blog, The Kodai Corner. And in the blog post, I talk about Donnie the Dinosaur, but then I also have other puppets that are very similar to Donnie the Dinosaur that I've used. But the idea of Donnie the Dinosaur is he is a dinosaur in an eggshell, and you can pull him in and out of the eggshell. So like when students see that Donnie the Dinosaur is out of the eggshell or is, you know, above the eggshell, then they sing out loud, but then when you pull them inside the eggshell, then the students have to sing inside their head. So it's really great for inner hearing, but the blog post that I'll link to in the show notes has other examples like um, a raccoon in a trash can, for example, or like a rabbit in a magic hat. So there are other types that you can use, but it's a really great way to get kids to be able to sing inside their head. So they might go like, apple tree, apple tree, I won't cry and I won't shout. So they're, you know, singing out loud, singing inside their head, singing out loud. And then you can kind of get trickier and go in and out more frequently. You can have them only sing the out at the end out loud. There are a lot of cute ways to do it. And it's great for their inner hearing. All right. So moving on to first grade, you can use this in first grade as a great review for study beat. And then the song is made up of all tas and titis, or quarter notes and eighth notes. So you could have students read the rhythm on the board. You could have them fill in missing rhythms. So maybe you have like t t blank, t t ta, t t t t t t blank, and they have to fill in like one missing rhythm in each four beat, you know, each line or each four beat pattern. You can have them arrange the rhythm pattern. So I like to take a sheet of paper and just um, fold it like cut it into four strips and sometimes I even add a fifth strip so that's kind of like your trick card so on you might have a card that says tt ta tt ta another card that says tt 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 ta another card that says tt 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 ta depending on which version you're using another card that says tt 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 ta and then your trick pattern is ta ta tt ta and then you could put like magnetic tape on the back of each of those patterns and affix them to the board and like kind of jumble it up and then you sing through the song and the students have to put the cards in order and hopefully they don't use the trick pattern so it's, that's a great way to work on their literacy skills and then and I'm just giving you kind of just a few different ideas but there are so many ideas out there another reading um, or writing activity that you could do is you could have them dictate the rhythm patterns to apple tree with popsicles so I have like short popsicle sticks that they use to make the TTs and longer popsicle sticks, like typical sized um, popsicle sticks for the TAS. And you can have them dictate that with popsicle sticks or rhythm manipulatives. Or, I mean, like I said, the possibilities are endless. 
And then another great way to use it is to focus on so me, like the so me at the very beginning of the song, the so, so me, so, so me. So in the Kodai world, we call this an extractable phrase because obviously there's a law, there are some laws in the song, there's a do at the end of the song. But if you just wanted to focus on that first four beat pattern, then you could just work on that for so me. So me is a very common interval in children's folk songs, but there aren't a whole lot of folk songs that just use so and me. So that's why I like to use it as an extractable phrase. You could have students sing with their body staff, and there are a few different ways to do body staff. I have my students put their hands on their shoulders for so, and their hands on their hips for me, so they could, you know, do those motions as they sing that first pattern. And then once they learn so and me, you could have them do it with hand signs for so and me. You could have them write the pattern on their hand staff. So if you put the hands, if they put their hand staff in front of them, then like, you know, I teach them. If so is on a line, then me is on the line below. And they, you know, would point to the maybe their second line and the first line on their hand staff as they sing that pattern. Or you can obviously use an actual staff. You could put pictures or words in the shape of the melody. So you could have like two little apples and that's up high and the one big apple is down low and they have to figure out the shape or the contour of that. Or you could do that with the words apple tree, apple tree, where they're moving them around. And then you could also write the pattern with sofa manipulatives. I will link in the show notes to a blog post I have about sofa manipulatives. They're a really great tool for melodic understanding. All right, so now moving on to second grade. So in first grade, we talked about study B, Tan, Titi, and So Me. In second grade, now La could also totally be used. And some people get to La at the end of first grade. Some people get it to it at the beginning of second grade. It depends on your curriculum. But you can use that second phrase for La. And you can do all the same things we talked about with So and Me. So you can, you know, extract that second phrase or you can work on the first phrase and the second phrase because they would have so, me, and then la. You can sing it with body staff and hand signs. And just so you know, I will detail all of this out with like bullet points in my show notes, because I know I'm giving you a lot of ideas here, and that way you can just go to that, the show notes. Um, and to get go to the show notes, you can go to my blog at mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com, and then go to podcast, and then you'll click podcast number six. Um, and then you can have them write the pattern on hand staff or actual staff, and explaining that law is in the space above so, you know, if so is in a line, then law is in the space above. You can put pictures or words into the shape of melody. Same things, right? Pattern with self on manipulatives. And then when you get to do, I like to use this as their first, like, preparation um, of do. And in the preparation process, I have students call it low. So I have them sing apple tree, which, you know, they've known for a while. And then I say, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to raise your hand on what you think the lowest note is. So it's just a good like aural activity to get them to listen to that lowest note. And then I explain that we're going to call that low until we present do and then they call it do. So, but again, same ideas, sing with body staff or hand signs. And for my body staff, I put so on my shoulders, la on your head, me on your hips and low on my feet. But there's a few different ways to do a few different ways to do body staff. 
Again, sing it with hand signs. Put it on your hand staff or actual staff. Put pictures or words in the shape of melody. So a lot of the same ideas, soulful manipulatives. All those same ideas can work for dough. You can also have students figure out how to play it on ORF instruments with stick notation. And I actually just wrote about this on my blog. Um, I talked about melodic intervention and how you could have all these centers set up in your room to practice dough, but then you can pull students aside one-on-one -on -one for melodic intervention. So I had a center where I had apple tree written out in stick notation and the students had to figure out how to play it with G being so and it was a really great practice for figuring out like steps and skips like knowing that so and la are a step apart so if G is so then A is la and so and me are a skip apart and me and do are a skip apart and it was just really good for their melodic understanding. So I also um, have learned an ostinato with apple tree that's super fun um, that I learned from my friend Tina Wilson who also works in my district and I'm going to play it for you right now so you get an idea but I have the students play the ostinato four times and then we sing apple tree over the ostinato. So the notes are C, E, F, 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 G, and that F, 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 F is kind of swung, kind of jazzy. Um, and you could simplify it to C, E, F, F, G, but that F, 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 F is really kind of fun. So I've had students, you know, like I said, we kind of, you know, put it on our bodies first, like I have them pat that ostinato, and then we transfer it to the ORF instruments, and we play the ostinato four times, and then the kids who aren't playing instruments and the kids playing instruments all sing apple tree as the ostinato is going on. It is really fun. When doing this ostinato, you will want to start the song on G and then Do would be C. So you'll be singing it in the key of C instead of in the key of D. So second grade, we talked about using it for La, using it for Do, and using it for ostinato. And then one last way you can use it is it works beautifully as a round. Um, it's not you know, traditionally around, but it totally works as a round. You could do a two beat round or a four beat round. And I also um, teach students that there is a difference between round and canon. And this is just the way that I was taught. I was taught that a round, you know, one group starts, the other group follows, but we end separately. And with a canon, we end together. So with a canon, that second group doesn't get to finish the song because they end with the first group. And that's just the way I was taught. Um, but, you know, even if you don't make that distinction, it could work well as a round or as a canon. Um, like I said, two beats or four beats behind, it's really pretty. So I said that this is a song that I use a lot with my kindergartners, first and second graders, and I do, but I want to clarify here. I don't mean that every lesson I use it and for the entire lesson I use it. It might be in this lesson, but not in that lesson, in this lesson, but not in that lesson, and it might only be for five minutes at a time. So the way that I've been taught to lesson plan is to have several different singing games and activities with you know beautiful, smooth transitions going from one activity or one song to the next. So Apple Tree might be in one lesson because I'm focusing on steady beat, and then in the next lesson, maybe I'm doing a lot of vocal exploration and working on high and low, and I don't have it in that lesson. So I just wanted to clarify there. I do often use it, but it's just for short little snippets 
and like I said, not every lesson. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Like I said, make sure to check out David's podcast. And there's another music education podcast out there called Anna Krusik, which is also great. It's by Anne Molesky. And I, I believe she just has one podcast episode so far. It's about solo singing in kindergarten. And I will link to it in the show notes. It's another great podcast to check out. So thank you so much for listening. If you get a chance, please go to the iTunes store and uh, make sure to subscribe so that every time I come out with a new podcast, and I do apologize, this one's a little bit late. I had a few different things going on in my life. So I'm a little bit late here, but I try to come out with one one every two weeks. If you subscribe, it will hit your iTunes feed. And also, if you haven't gotten a chance to give the podcast a review in the iTunes store that will help more music teachers find the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and happy singing. Mm-hmm.